This is the Monitoring and Evaluation Boost with Godfrey Sincaba. Every week, we share tips and practical stories to help you master the monitoring and evaluation job and perform it to your best. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to hit that subscribe button so you're automatically updated about new episodes. And that way, you can continue to grow your m and career every day. It also helps to show your support to this podcast and improve its ranking on the platform. We really appreciate that effort. Now, let's get started. Episode 10, Leading a Cause Bigger Than Self, Mariana Branco's Evaluation Career Path Story. Today's guest is Mariana Branco. Mariana is an evaluation specialist with the World Bank. She has special interests in value for money, impact evaluations, evaluation capacity building, and coaching and mentorship for young and emerging evaluators. Mariana is a member of the European Evaluation Society. She is on the board of Eval Youth, and she's a founder of the Peer-to-Peer Career and Advisory for Young and Emerging Evaluators, commonly known as P2P. The P2P is a special initiative with the potential to disrupt mentorship and coaching. P2P holds online meetings where young and emerging evaluation professionals can discuss career challenges and opportunities. This initiative provides advice on how emerging evaluators can grow their careers. And it offers a space where young and emerging evaluators can share their work challenges. Mariana, it's a joy to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much, Godfrey. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Indeed. Mariana, for many people who have worked with you, certainly they know who you are and what capabilities you bring to the table in terms of evaluation. But today we'd like to learn about your other side. Tell us about the young Mariana or the youthful Mariana and your career dreams at the time and how they translated into your first job. (laughs) Thank you so much. That's quite an interesting first question. I like, I always like this idea of starting with our dreams. And I guess my path into evaluation started when I was 15 years old and I knew I wanted to innovate. Back then I was looking at Grameen Bank and social innovation and I really wanted to have a role in, in decreasing poverty and inequality. But I didn't really know where to start. So I decided to go for it economics. And then in economics, I was pretty disappointed with what I learned. It then took me to do volunteering across several initiatives and including um, an experience in, in Africa that was really, really remarkable, spending six months in Kenya. And there I saw that aid really had failed to some extent to really promote democracy and promote well-being for all. And I wanted to really go deeper and, and really have a critical perspective on how projects can evolve in the field and can help us all grow. And I decided to study, to study. I just, I didn't know what, but I needed to, to understand what was going on and why was why was it, why was the system failing? And, and so I, I seconded my, my bachelor in economics with a, with a master's in international relations and, and cooperation. And, and that's where I found evaluation. I started working with a think tank that was part of a research center from the university. I discovered cost-benefit analysis and economic analysis, mostly applied to health systems, and that was very interesting to me. That's how I actually uh, started understanding what impact evaluation was, and the importance of, of this technique and of, or of this profession, M&E. And from there, I moved to consultancy firm, working around social return on investment, which is a type of value for many analysis. And then my career went on and on, but essentially it was this initial dream of 
contribute to something bigger than myself, then getting disappointed with this and trying to find a solution and encountering an evaluation, a critical perspective on how projects can really, really contribute to society. Since 2014, you have completed several jobs, volunteered with several agencies or professional bodies. <laughs> How do these assignments help you pick the skills that you need for the present? Oh my God, Godfrey, that's so important. I guess people underestimate the power of all these minor experiences and they really focus on getting a degree and starting going. I get a lot of questions on how do I train myself to become an evaluator? And I must tell you, evaluation and to be a plain fully evaluator. It really takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of experience, field experience, life experience. So it's not probably you are not going to become a true, true evaluator at the age of 27. Mm. Um, because that involves the number of soft skills that you simply don't have. So for me, the skills that I that really benefited my career were definitely project management. It's not only about the analytical skills, qualitative and quantitative that you acquire in university. But you really need to have a sense of what it takes to make decisions when you are in the lead because ultimately, you, the information that you are producing, it's going to be somebody's decision-making process. So you need to put yourself in the shoes of that person and empathize with the person that is going to use your ads without judgment, without excessful or critics, right? And secondly, those experiences have made me connect with local populations. They've made me understood different realities. And when you are collecting data and when we are trying to figure what's what, how can a project improve, you really need to understand the beneficiaries, the ultimate people that are going to be influenced by your evaluation. And you need to know how to approach them. And I think one big characteristic of um, of, evalu of evaluators is this being this bridge between telling stories about how change is happening around the world and being a bridge between those who have no voice to those who have the power to change things and you are in the middle and if we aren't there we evaluators we researchers if we aren't there those narratives will be lost over the next century so we are that repository of knowledge we got to understand them we cannot write and truth the third thing i feel i've learned and i will end there uh, with the side all the side projects and volunteering is the ability to be energetic to use uh, to build a lot with minimal resources and to network and to be with, with people so it's all about we are humans right so the three things I've, I've mentioned are all about people it's the first one was people as being the decision makers the second was people as the ultimate beneficiaries and thirdly the people as your colleagues how do you get acquainted with you the environment you live in and you're able to exchange with the ones close to you so people skills are fundamental and you don't get them with going to repeat so people skills are fundamental and you don't get it only with a degree or with a training you get it by exchanging and by doing a lot on your own and trying to limit indeed evaluators should not only be pursuing technical skills soft skills as well and you've just mentioned one of them that's critical really understanding and knowing how to work with people but also benefiting from that interaction 
What have you seen as the top two to three skills that every evaluator should have? People skills and we mentioned technical knowledge. I think those two things are fundamental. And because we went so fast during those skills, I will ask you for a third credit, a fourth credit. So I'll yeah. give you two more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, feel free. And, it, and, also, okay. and also expound on really why these are important skills to evaluate. Okay, okay, okay. So let's go there. The first skill is technical knowledge, right? You need technical knowledge. You need quantitative skills. You need qualitative skills. Typically, you even if you are not a quantitative evaluator, for instance, you need to be able to speak the language. So you need to have basic knowledge on both methodologies because you will be part of the puzzle and you will need to understand what, what is the big picture that you fit yourself. The second skill, the people skills, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I expanded a lot there. I think you need to interact with all those actors while you were doing evaluation to really be able to deliver a good product. The third one, which is not as mentioned as I think it should, are ethical skills. I think for any profession, any profession, you need to be extremely professional. <laughs> you need to be extremely ethical. And that is not something that we necessarily uh, born with. We, as we have different instincts. We are in different cultures. And what means one, the meaning of something in one culture is different from another. So you really need to figure out, especially when you move into an international development, what are the major ethical standards? How can you be considered a person with integrity and with all the, the ethical skills that involves being good in, in a profession? And I, I guess that once you have that, even more, I, I risk saying that ethical skills are even more important than the technical skills. Because if you deliver on time with responsibility, if you think about all the aspects of doing no harm in an evaluation, if, so if you mitigate all the risks that are involved in the evaluation, if you are sensitive about data privacy, about how are you taking care of the evidence, all those aspects, they end up building you as a person. They they bring discipline to your practice. And I guess that anyone can succeed. When you are really, really trust a trusted partner, when you are transparent, when you deliver, in, I think you can grow in any profession. So then it's a matter of choosing what is the direction you want to you wanna head to. The fourth one uh, that is critical for everyone, but most critically for emerging evaluators is innovation. Why? Because actually in innovation, that's where you have your major added value because everybody is starting from the same position. <laughs> Nobody knows more than you because nobody knows anything about it. Uh, I mean, in theory, naturally, innovation is not about reinventing something completely new, but it's about reinventing other things. So if you can couple what you already know with something new, it's better. But essentially what I'm saying is that being a breath of uh, what's going on, what are the new trends, what are the opportunities, will be critical also because you as a, new, as a typically a younger person although emerging evaluators can mean trans people transferring from other professions but especially for those who are young in age you simply have more you will have more lifetime <laughs> so those innovations will matter more for your generation <laughs> than for the ones who are living but yeah I would say having the technical skills the people skills the, um, the ethical skills and in innovation positioning it, it's very important wow two skills there being ethical or at least the 
applying ethics in your work and also being innovative. Mm-hmm. And many times these are not issues that people either go study, learn and perfect, but this is also a combination of your whole self, like what you bring to the table and how you want to improve the way you do work. I like that one of ethical and it's very important ethics in evaluation. I think there's a lot of papers that have been written on how evaluators can improve their ethics. Now, Godfrey, if you allow me, yes, there are, but they are still very theoretical and they problematize. Um, there are very few pieces of literature that really go deep in the action. And so within a program called P2P, Peer-to-Peer Career Advisory for Emerging Evaluators, we are actually preparing a compound of tips for young professionals on mm. the ethical domain. But please go ahead. Sorry to okay. interrupt. So that, that's very that's very good and interesting. And I'll look forward to reading it once you guys make it available. Evaluators are not immune to obstacles that impede their work. What is the biggest obstacle, Mariana, you have faced as you do your evaluative work? Expectations. I think setting expectations is uh, an understanding what are the expectations of the multiple parties involved in an evaluation is the main obstacle. That can be very tricky. I give you an example. For instance, data collection. I, I think when you are defining the number of the number of people that you need to engage to get a certain representativeness significance that can be very tricky I'm I, I've I've been involved in processes where that has been agreed with the client and that where the the other party would would actually collect data and then you don't have data to do your evaluation. And just because they thought that for them, what is good enough is not the same for you. Another example is expectations regarding the results and the finding where you can have multiple approaches. um, You can face multiple obstacles at the end, especially when are a consultant and people hire you to deliver good results because they want to use evaluation as a marketing tool, not necessarily as an accountability and learning tool. So it's very important to set those expectations right from the beginning and also define very well the questions of the evaluation, define uh, the, um, the purpose of the evaluation, because it's if it's indeed for learning, then maybe you can play around with some of the numbers in terms of data collection. You can use is a more corporate approach where you just want to find bits by by bits of information you want you want really to have a continuous process if if it's part of a major marketing campaign you may even not want to be involved from this from the start (laughs) or you or you want but you need to you need to tell the client that uh, look i may find things that you don't want and um and it's my job to to tell the full story so those those the the aspect of of managing client, not only client, right? Because it can be your manager expectations or it can be the population expectations in terms of receiving the results. But I think that it's very, you are entering, when you are an evaluator, you are entering many gray zones. So being able to clear the stage and 
be very concrete about what you are going to deliver, including being very detailed about the outputs you are going to deliver. That is critical to avoid surprises at the end. Indeed. And would you add expectations from self? Naturally, there are also always mm. expectations from yourself in terms of what you can achieve, especially mm. when you start getting really entrenched with the program and you, you start getting a fiction. And you, 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 of course, you want to, you want everything to succeed. So you also need to manage yourself there in terms of how much you can do, uh, how much have you promised, and 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 how much change can you promote in the end of the day when a project is not successful and you and you know it. Even for yourself, it can be very frustrating. I know several evaluators who feel a lot of frustration and end up distrusting distrusting development just because they don't believe it anymore. Like and and can I give you some numbers there? I think yeah. studies from around the world that uh, research on failures and innovation, etc. From even Google and other. Uh, uh, technolo- technologies, they, they, they found that 80% of the projects failed. More than 80% of the projects failed. In fact, you have meta-analysis on impact evaluations. Howard White, I'm, I'm, I'm citing, I'm quoting Howard White here, who, who keeps telling us that, I mean, when you are an evaluator, you need to understand that most projects are failing. So you cannot, you need to manage your own expectations there because even the, as much as you want to do, that's, that's the reality. 80% of new businesses fail so it's it, it seems like a round number and we need to be comfortable to act in that realm and, and understand sorry I'm, I need just 30 seconds more to, to tell everyone that um, slavery didn't end in a century it, and it's still out there right in other yeah. forms in other ways so um, changing programs and changing realities uh, it takes a long time so to, don't get frustrated when you see a project or something that is not working just use evaluation as a tool for learning and, and, and create a plan on how to change it, knowing that you will need two things. All organizations need and projects need time and partnership. That's very important. You've really explained it so well. Expectations on self. Sometimes we are our own obstacle. And <laughs> evaluators need to know, don't be one. Deal with so many others and manage yourself properly. Evaluators love tools and methods. Mariana, what is the most important tool or method you have used to improve your work? Oh my God, I use so many tools. It's true. I think we are we are little geeks here. And I think there is a difference between methods and tools. I'm not going to go there. but And I don't think there is one more important than the other. I'm very sorry. I know that's not the answer that everyone would like. You, you want ready-made solutions, but I, I honestly don't have them. I think flexibility is super important. Understanding what is a goal and that's why I was emphasizing uh, evaluation questions and purpose so much right mm. typically when I, I'm going to distinguish between my time as um, as a value for money evaluation specialist where I worked for essentially NGOs and impact investors mostly on the um, yeah, smaller projects and now that I am at the World Bank Independent Evaluation Group some of the tools although I will not speak for any of my employers uh, these are just personal views on what I've, I used 
so far. As a value for money specialist and, and social return on investment specialist, that methodology was very close to my heart. Knowing a lot about understanding what, what creating social value mean and means and knowing more around economic valuation, that is something that not all, all evaluators are familiar with, but it, it underpinned a lot of my work. So besides naturally the theory of change using uh, databases of, for indicators like the Global Value Exchange or GIIN for output indicators. That was very, very helpful. In terms of tools for economic analysis themselves, I really like, and resources, I really like, for instance, one called the value game, which is a technique that we use to understand how much value do communities and stakeholders put in, in, in the outcomes that you are offering. So what is the economic value of bringing integration, of bringing health, of bringing education. I really appreciate. So those who don't know, the Valley Game should really look for that. That's a wonderful way of engaging. In terms of like software, still on the first part of my life, in terms of mm-hmm. software, definitely NVivo and Excel take you, uh, NVivo for qualitative analysis, Excel for more uh, qual- quantitative analysis. They take you a long way. Naturally, you can also add Stata or an econometric program that allows you to give the extra jump and and perform impact evaluations and do econometric and, and causal studies. There are then a number of other tools that I, I could tell you more about it, but let me move to the other part before you get, <laughs> before the audience gets bored. Essentially what I'm currently doing on the evaluation part of my work at the IEG, because I, I do evaluation capacity development too, which is another thing. But on the evaluation side, we use a lot of case studies. We're currently using NVivo too, so that's a very important tool for qualitative analysis. All the state as a program is, is super valuable too, but I want to draw people's attention to several tools that are emerging on the side of mostly like new technologies when you are conducting network, social network analysis, when you are doing sentiment analysis, uh, text analytics. There are a number of tools or geospatial analysis, so I would like to draw your attention. Maybe Godfrey would then put together a list because uh, I don't think it makes sense to use it to do it here but maybe put together a list of some some tools that you need to know when you are working out with those specific new techniques that can really help you and then finally I well that was that it, my work my work has been divided at the bank has been divided in a lot of field work and case studies and, and currently the understanding the the performance of the World Bank group where essentially part of the work is qualitative and part is econometric so that's that's why I was I was mentioning but but the work itself on IG is a lot more than this okay so don't, don't take me wrong there but what I wanted to mention uh, Godfrey are tools related to your self-development and to how do you manage yourself as an evaluator and for me there are some tools super super critical like for example a task management tool i for instance use trello and and plenty way i can i can share that with you an app that you an extension to trello it's like 
I cannot live without it. To plan, to make sure that I'm always, uh, uh, I know where my deadlines are, I know what tasks transition from one day to the other. Those are fundamental. When I was consulting, I used a tool called Toggle to measure my time, uh, to understand how much time was I spending in each task. But actually, plan, plan anyway, the, um, the one I just mentioned also does it. So that's, that's super, super nice. And there are a few others that help you self, self-manage and, and like the calendar i don't know I, i'm gonna say something really basic but. no 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 actually this through simplicity yeah we learn a lot just, just i think i think a lot of people still use manual calendars like make sure that you have everything in one calendar I and do. that it's linked to your email and that you never fail the meeting or or I am, i am one of them <laughs> I just like transfer everything to your email to your calendar make sure it's linked to your email and you get it done and and then you need to couple uh probably your own zoom account or something or google meets to it but that's that's really that's really important <laughs> but i have i also have a personal list of of all the tools i use i think it's like 11 11 tools from also around like design like canva or uh, video editing uh, and and audio uh like multimedia design in Vato and, and uh, or software where you can show your screen and and then be yourself in the picture like screen castomatic or something like that so I, i have some 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 of those little tools i have them listed i can i can share them with you later wow i would more than pleased to see it and receive it that's so good and by the way for whatever you have said all of those tools there is a specific task or a time when an evaluator is called to do something that will be made easier or more efficient with a specific tool. Evaluators make presentation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You go on, tomorrow you need a presentation. Of course, you'll go to PowerPoint and any other app you use. You need to make it nice and presentable and professional. So there's a tool there. Mm-hmm. Just being organized in a mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Just being mm-hmm. organized. Simple. Don't talk about your analytical Yes, Just be organized. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You need yes, something yes. to help you organize yourself. I think many times when you are looking at growth, many people would want to like, go study do this other course forgetting that there are some basics that naturally you need to focus on and these are as good as those other technical skills that you want so thank you you've really eloquently put it yes so share that list and see what we can do and i'm sure all of you evaluators you need to get in touch with mariana she really has some good skill over there Mariana, you are a member of the European Evaluation Society, also a board member of the Eval Youth and a founder of the P2P. In fact, you talked about it earlier. What role do professional evaluation associations play in the evaluator's professional life? Um, that's a good one too. I mean, for me, they were fundamental. I can tell you that my professional development was really, really underpinned by my connection with with all these networks and a few, a few extra ones too. You can get three things from these networks the first one naturally is and they are linked to the skills i mentioned before right um the first one are the connections uh, understanding what is the lay of the land who are the people getting in touch with the right colleagues the second one is the technical knowledge because you can read a lot in books but you got to make sense of what is being said so the the all the conferences and webinars they really help you think through what you read and and 
also is the space where you can make questions and, and clarify clarify your doubts. And the third one is the, the innovation part. I think it's there. It's by looking at the programs of different conferences. It's by understanding who are the triggers of new things that you really get yourself going in terms of what is the next big stuff going on? What is the cutting edge technology or approach that is being that is being developed? And I always looked at professional organizations as the place to go for those kind of things. I was less interested. A lot of people ask me like, how do you network? And I say like, there are two major approaches. My, my approaches to networking are, I, I don't talk a lot with people. I just, I work with them. So I want to do things with them. You make good friends when you are developing things together and when you share the same call. So I approach people when I want to develop something and I think they have an added value. I don't approach people just for the sake of, hi, how are you? Hey, nice sun out there. (laughs) Yeah, naturally that can happen, but it's not the goal. And if you are too oriented on how do I talk? How do I speak? How do I present? That's not going to take you much. It's more like, how can I share what I know and really build to get something together with another person? And the second thing is the learning. It's essentially what I, that's why I made the connection because you network by learning you you because you are seeking for a specific type of learning you start engaging and asking questions and your questions reveal a lot about what you know and don't Can you expound on the P2P? Sure. I think there is a general understanding that evaluation is important for society. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it uh, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, right? So we, the ones who are listening, have a feeling that it could work. that evaluation can work. Naturally, evaluation can also do harm. We need to be very, very sensitive about it. Evaluation is not a miraculous form. There are a lot of totalitarian regimes using a lot of evaluation and very advanced monitoring systems to do things that are not as good. But let's go from, let's take the assumption that evaluation can indeed help uh, programs evolve and grow and, and do good for society. We need young professionals to feed our to feed our um, our production of evaluation around the world. Why? Because especially in developing countries, what you see is that evaluation is being taken by international consultants like me, with very few opportunities for uh, local communities to embrace evaluation. And this is inc- this is creating a barrier because the cost of evaluation becomes so high that nobody wants to do it. So first, we need to. I think we there are not a lot of many things that we need to do but my main goal is I think we should provide a a better supply of local evaluators so that evaluation as a whole can be more accessible and it can also be more culturally adequate because you need those who understand the culture to really reason about new recommendations and solutions for that particular intervention. P2P Commas um, recognizes that and secondly, uh, it recognizes there are a lot of activities. We are part of a big network. P2P is a global partnership. So there are many programs out there being done by our partners, and we think they're all important, but they are not enough. And emerging evaluators, they can 
do something about themselves. We don't necessarily need only senior evaluators to help us. We don't only need governments to help us. We as a community can help each other. So that is the basis of P2P. Then if we can help each other, we can help it by providing advice to each other, by explaining to each other what we have, uh, we, what we already know. A person with three years in evaluation knows a lot about it. So we can also start sharing it. But in a way, we managed to find other senior evaluators that are helping us too. So P2P is a platform where you that offers help. That of, It's almost like a help desk for emerging evaluators. We have meetings every month at the end of the month. In At the moment, we offer P2P in multiple languages, in Arabic, in Portuguese, Spanish, French, English. We also cover different regions, like the Asia-Pacific region in English, or the Lusophone and the, the Francophone and, and Anglophone regions, right? And the MENA region with the Arabic. And we also have a knowledge part because a lot of what we are learning, we are transferring that to knowledge products, such as the tips for ethics or tips on innovation or just tips on how do you build your, your career. Those are still going on. But yeah, so P2P, you can see P2P as the, the safe space. Whenever you have a doubt, a question about your career, about methods, problems you're facing, you can jump into one of the, our meetings and you can speak up and say, look, I'm just going through this hurdle. Can anybody help me in the room? Do you know what I should do next? And we take it from there. Wow, that's so interesting. <laughs> and I would strongly recommend every evaluator learns more about P2P. Mariana, since the onset of COVID-19, a lot has changed in the socio-economic fabric of society. The evaluation field has not been spared. What does it take for an evaluator to succeed in the new normal? Definitely, the new normal will be continuously changing, correct? It's not going to be, we will have other new normals. And it's the nature of our current status to be changing very quickly and to be challenged by political, humanitarian, environmental, environmental, societal crisis. So the new normal is adaptability. Um, that's why all those people skills and the innovation skills and the ethical skills are very important for you to adjust, um, not for the sake of yourself, but just be faster because the world needs you. And because, yes, people are there every day. There are people facing terrible situations. They're waiting for us. They're waiting for us to inform decision makers so they can act quickly. So remember, evaluation has um, as an expiration date. You cannot deliver your findings one year later because yeah. they will most likely not be adjustable. So adjusting to the new normal is becoming a superhero. I'm not sure if everybody is ready for that. <laughs> Absolutely. We need to be. We have no choice. <laughs> we have no choice. Finally, tell us about your big plan for this year. What is cooking in Mariana's professional kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I don't know if you are aware, but we, the bank and, and its partners just long, launched an initiative called the Global Evaluation Initiative. I was actually involved in the creation of GEI for the last two years. So our, one of our key goals for this year is to make sure that connect partners that we, that we and, and personally to the extent that I'm involved in the initiative to really help this partnership thrive and make sure that 
it helps those who, who need it the most. Uh, make sure that we are more efficient, that we avoid duplication, that we can steal our services around the world. Make sure that we can be in our ECD services around the world. Mm. And secondly, I'm pretty much involved in, in evaluation. Mm. Coming, the new report of the, the new performance report of the, the, the World Bank is coming out in a couple of months. So I'm also working on it. Yeah. And finally, P2P is definitely yeah. my, my, my. I was going to say, what about P2P? Okay. <laughs> yeah, P2P is definitely a milestone for me because we expanded so fast in six months, five regions. We went from two volunteers, 50 volunteers, five zero. And, and the demand is huge. And what we can do is also is also very big. Yeah, so definitely those three. Absolutely. And from those examples you provided, you are showing me your day job is solid. You still continue to do that. But you're also finding time to share yeah. for the advancement of the profession. Yes. And certainly we're so grateful that people like you and others are really helping many new emerging evaluators, mid-experience evaluators, even experience evaluator. You know, even when you have experience in evaluation, you still want to learn. Yes. Or at least even learn from those who are new and the fresh perspective they bring to the profession. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and by the way, Godfrey, yeah. I also created a, a podcast on evaluation and innovation last year that we we keep growing called uh, Eval Edge. So for those that in techniques, you can... Absolutely. So I'll look for it uh, myself and uh, <laughs> Eval Edge and you yes. focus on innovations <laughs> and evaluations. Eval Edge, all right. Mariana, this has been awesome. <laughs> I know it's too early in the morning. Is there anything that you would like to add before we close? No, no, just uh, let everybody know that I'm totally available to exchange. So for those who are listening, just search for my name on LinkedIn and feel free to drop me a message. Right. So <laughs> and thank you naturally for inviting me to, to join your podcast. It's a pleasure. Indeed. Thank you. So connecting with you via LinkedIn and are you also on Twitter? Yeah. I'm also on Twitter. But I like LinkedIn better. <laughs> okay. And it's always easy. Just search for Mariana Branco. You'll see the name in the podcast and just send an invite. Thank you so much, Mariana. And this is the Monitoring and Evaluation Boost. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Monitoring and Evaluation Boost with Godfrey Senkaba. Please let us know your comments or any topics you would like to hear. And please check out our website, www.mandeboost.com. If you have comments about this episode or experiences you would like to share regarding the ideas discussed in this podcast, please let us know. Again, please visit our website to share. That's www.mandeboost.com. Thank you.